Support for Digital Health Today comes from Optum. Optum tackles the biggest challenges in healthcare with innovative, data-driven solutions that help improve outcomes. Optum, how well gets done. Learn more at Optum.com. And we started to find some very interesting things, primarily around how the U.S. prenatal system has not changed for around the last 90 years. There's this concept of the 14-visit prenatal schedule um, that really jumped out at, at us. Moms in 2018 are very different than moms in 1920. Welcome to Digital Health Today, the podcast focused on the leaders, innovators, and technologies transforming healthcare today and tomorrow. Find us online at digitalhealthtoday.com. Welcome back to Digital Health Today, the place to be to get the insights of leaders making the healthcare of tomorrow available today. I'm your host, Dan Kendall, and this is episode 67. August and September are traditionally two of the busiest months for new births, which means that right now, there are millions of pregnant women dealing with all the complexities of pregnancy and preparing for the arrival of a child. With connected devices being used for everything from monitoring general fitness to tracking post-surgical recovery, you would think that there would be a great solution to help pregnant women monitor and maintain their health during pregnancy. And there is. I'm joined today by Juan Pablo Segura. He's a passionate entrepreneur and healthcare technologist with a background in consulting and finance. He and his co-founder, Anish Sebastian, worked together at Deloitte before coming up with the idea for their company, BabyScripts. BabyScripts is a remote monitoring and big data solution used by doctors and pregnant women to detect problems much faster and deliver better care to improve birth outcomes. BabyScripts was launched in 2014 with headquarters in Georgetown, an area of Washington, D.C. And in this episode, Juan Pablo and I dive into the traditional standards for prenatal care. We also discuss how consumer-centric solutions can be used to enhance the interaction between patients and providers and also provide better outcomes. Importantly, Juan Pablo and Anish also carefully studied the economic incentives that exist in prenatal care, and they created a commercial model that maximizes the benefits for payers and providers too. BabyScripts is in the news this week with their acquisition of iBirth, a leading patient-facing app that includes informative and powerful content about nutrition, exercise, and more. We discussed this acquisition and how the combination of iBirth and BabyScripts will create an even more powerful solution that's on track to improve the care received by millions of pregnant women. Check out all the links and notes on our website at digitalhealthtoday.com forward slash 67. Now let's jump into the interview. Juan Pablo, thanks for joining me. Welcome to the program. It's a pleasure. Thank you so much for inviting me on. Excited to share more about what we do. Great. Let's do that. The first thing that I want to address is the elephant that's in the room here. You and I are about to embark on a conversation about the hazards of pregnancy and what women experience as they go through that. And it won't surprise the listeners who've now heard your voice that I point out that both you and I are men. So I don't want our audience to perceive in any way that we're attempting to mansplain pregnancy to them. So tell me about your experience that made you and your co-founder, who's also male, what made you two guys want to take on this area? Um, so yeah, it's a, it's a great question. And we, uh, we typically get that question a lot. Um, you know, what are two uh, bachelors trying to, to, to do in pregnancy, like, you know, what, what, what do you know? Um, and I think for, for us, it's, it's really a, a mission that orients around our family. Um, I'm one of six kids um, in my family. And my mom actually had three miscarriages um, growing up. And, and I'll never forget each of those events because it was really felt very personally and 
um, and very heavily kind of across our whole family. And so, you know, when I really started to understand what was happening in healthcare as I was a consultant at Deloitte, and when I kind of had a calling to, to use technology to try to change some part of healthcare, um, I couldn't stop but help think about my mom. Um, and you know, the, the, the fact that after every miscarriage, um, there really was never an answer. There was never a, Hey, this is why this happened. Um, and so, you know, I decided to, to take a risk and, and to try to help not just answer the questions that my mom had, but questions that, you know, any mom has, um, with complications in pregnancy, um, to improve, uh, mom's pregnancies. I'm really always thinking about, you know, my family. And so, you know, I think that's, that's very personal and very near dear to my heart. And so, yeah, I'll never be pregnant. I'll never obviously kind of understand the, the joy and, and the pain and everything that goes on, you know, from a personal perspective, but um, we're all affected by pregnancy. And, um, and you know, I, I have a mission in life and, and that's to, to, to help women. So, um, you know, that's why I'm here. Yeah, I can tell just from listening to you there, the authenticity and the sincerity in your voice uh, about what you're explaining, your passion here in this area. As you begin to dive into prenatal care, what did you find? What's the current standard of prenatal care in the U.S.? So one of the things that you, know, you do when you go into a new space is you just start asking very like big picture questions. Um, and you know, we had heard of the problems that the space was experiencing. I mean, you look at um, the maternal mortality rate in the United States, um, where, you know, in, in between, I mean, the, the number changes, but in the 20s to 30s um, for developed countries in the world. Um, and so when you think of, you know, the, the fact that we spend more money in healthcare than any other country, but we rank in the 20s um, when it comes to women dying while pregnant, um, that, you know, a lot of people have been writing about this and, and you know, it's, it's, it's talked about quite a bit. And so, you know, we were getting those kinds of data points, but then, you know, we just started asking ourselves, okay, well, you know, what is it that that's the challenge or why is the U.S. healthcare system experiencing these problems? Um, and the one thing that we just kept asking ourselves about that it seemed like not a lot of people were talking about was just the current structure of pregnancy care. Um, and so we asked ourselves, we're like, well, what is the current kind of prenatal, perinatal, perinatal is you know, the, 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 the length of time from not just being pregnant, but delivering and then a little bit into the postpartum space. Um, but we were just asking ourselves, okay, if the current system isn't working, well, wh wh when was the system created? How was it created? And, and we started to find some very interesting things, primarily around how the U.S. prenatal system has not changed for around the last 90 years. So we are still using a framework and a methodology that was developed about 90 years ago to solve one problem. Um, and it's obviously kind of changed and adapted, but it's never fundamentally kind of been transformed. Um, and so there's this concept of the 14-visit prenatal schedule um, that really jumped out at, at us as something that um, was a great idea 90 years ago, but probably is not the best idea given the advancement in technology um, and, and, and all the diagnostics that we now have available to us, um, you know, as 21st century patients. Um, and so that's really kind of like the, the, the thing that we stumbled into that we just started kind of scratching our heads and asking practical questions around. Um, and that's what really started 
um, the the product of Baby Scripts and, and the mission that that we ended up building, you know, our our core program around. So I have a chart in front of me that I'll include a link on the show notes for this episode. It's from NPR.org, and and it's really staggering, actually. For ten uh, for a hundred thousand live births, the USA is at about twenty six point four deaths per hundred thousand live births. And there's something that really stands out on this. Number one, that number is over double, almost three times what the nearest developed country is. Uh, the UK is the next uh, closest developed country at nine point two, and it's also that the trend is going the wrong direction. The trend for all the other countries, all the other developed countries is going down. The U.S. is going up. So that's really shocking. And just to give the listeners some, some context for what I'm looking at here, 9.2 per 100,000 in the U.K. We go through Portugal, Germany, France, Canada, Netherlands, uh, Australia, and Spain are about halfway in the list at about 5.6 per 100,000. So, you know, uh, six times less uh, than, than what we've got in the U.S., and then going down all the way down to Finland, our team Finland uh, really leading the charge at 3.8, which are still 3.8 deaths too many. But uh, a really stark contrast between Finland at 3.8 deaths per 100,000 for uh, the U.S. at 26.4. So really a big problem that you've decided to tackle here. Essentially, what we determined and what we kind of decided, um, you know, as, as two outsiders coming into a space <laughs> um, that's, you know, very, very complex. Um, essentially, we said the current structure of the pregnancy journey is essentially every mom in the U.S. gets kind of the same template of care with there are caveats and adjustments, but um, essentially every mom gets a 14 visit schedule, regardless if you're low risk or if you're high risk. Um, and so for us, that made no sense. Pregnancy is not a disease. A majority of pregnancies um, go, go well with, without a problem, but there are a certain percentage of patients that are considered high risk, and that's really where a majority of the, comp- the complications, the maternal deaths, and, and the other problems occur. Um, and so we said we have to change this schedule concept where everyone's getting the same amount of visits, and we have to use technology to essentially reorient both how patients interact with their doctor and also how doctors or, uh, interact with their patients. Um, and really the, the kind of core thought that we came up with was this concept of risk-specific prenatal care, um, really facilitated and encouraged through technology. Let's talk a little bit about what that core program is, because you have this mommy kit that is available. Tell, tell the listeners about what your business model is and the solution that you're actually delivering. So a lot of what we do through Baby Scripts is really a combination of our mobile app that we usually sell to healthcare providers, so health systems, but we also are now working with plans. Um, but it's a combination of our app um, and also the delivery of what we call mommy kits, there are these pink, big pink boxes um, that uh, have Internet of Things devices inside. So blood pressure cuffs, weight scales. Um, we're now actually in the space of, of, of blood sugar management. Um, and so essentially what we do through Baby Scripts is we have a, a, a suite of products that essentially allow us to remote monitor moms at home and communicate um, core metrics that are typically captured at every prenatal appointment, like weight, blood pressure, answering symptomatic questions. Um, we can actually do a lot of that monitoring at home through Internet of Things technologies and essentially start helping physicians 
automate, kind of put on cruise control certain patients that are low risk, continue to be low risk, while being able to change how they manage their practice so that they can spend more time with patients that are high risk and, and, and really interact with patients that need more um, you know, uh, hand-holding because they're at a higher risk of complications. So really, our product is a combination of specific risk-specific experiences that allow us to monitor low-risk patients, um, uh, actually interact with higher-risk patients like gestational diabetes, postpartum depression. Um, but really, the thought is, again, is, is to start to identify problems earlier through remote monitoring, but also uh, deliver risk-specific care to moms throughout their pregnancy. So just recently in April, the American College of Obstetrics announced some real big changes to the recommendation on the postpartum care plan. And they're actually encouraging the use of telemedicine and apps. And it's one thing to say something should change, but it's another thing to actually bring that change into practice. Can you tell me a little bit more about what that announcement means and, and what baby scripts and, and providers are actually doing about that? Yeah, so what ACOG has, has just come out with, and, and we're very supportive of, of the committee opinion, um, is essentially to give moms more touch points and, and more consultations um, in, in, this, in this expanded time period that ACOG is now calling the, the fourth trimester. Um, and so right now, like I mentioned, the status quo is a visit after six weeks. Um, and, you know, hopefully moms are okay in that six-week visit. Um, there's nothing to... To, to do, um, but what ACOG is now supporting is essentially consultations that occur, um, you know, in the first two weeks, um, or at least a screening that can occur to figure out is a mom experiencing some kind of issue. Um, do we have to uh, connect them to uh, someone on the on the behavioral health side, or um, some some resource for you know pediatric care? You know, were they able to find a pediatrician, or, or is, the, is the child getting the necessary care? Um, and so the, the ACOG's committee opinion is really asking for a, for a transformation in how moms are seen the, the, the second they leave the hospital um, so that they can get connected to more resources and really benefit um, from, you know, the, the professionals that exist in the space. Um, and so from our perspective, we're thinking a lot about kind of this call to action and asking ourselves, all right, you know, baby scripts as a, as a suite of products is a combination of both an app experience and remote monitoring through Internet of Things devices. You know, we think that through our app and through the interventions that we can create by connecting patients with their doctors, that we can do a lot of that screening um, through our phone so that, you know, patients have more access to healthcare in a, in a, in a, in a simpler way, um, which obviously is, is done through mobile. I'll get back to the conversation in just a moment, but first I want to tell you about one of our sponsors. Support for Digital Health Today comes from Optum. If you're a sifter of health data, a revealer of insights, or a believer of better days ahead, you'll be interested in the data-driven solutions Optum provides. Through insight and innovations, Optum is working hard to tackle the biggest challenges in healthcare. From pharmacy care services and healthcare operations to population health management and healthcare delivery, Optum uses data and analytics to power modern healthcare and help improve outcomes for all of us. Optum, how well gets done. Learn more at optum.com. Now let's jump back to the conversation. Why did you decide to take this product and market it to doctors rather than do a direct-to-consumer model? Because I could easily see this product on the shelf at Walgreens or Boots or, or Target. 
Yeah. I, I, so great question. You know, we had a lot. I can't tell you how many venture capitalists um, and investors kept telling us, oh, come on, guys, like moms would eat this up. They're already anxious and, and, and worried about their health and are buying products that they might not need. So yeah, you can just throw this at them and, and get a get a couple quick sales and be able to you know get a, a a decent kind of revenue run rate from just going direct to consumer. But the issue was that kind of an approach and strategy rubbed directly against you know what we believe the healthcare system has to look like um, and what it has to do. Um, and so we took the path less trodden, <laughs> um, in that we decided not to go direct to consumer, um, but to find a way. Um, to get you know the, the the providers engaged and the payers engaged because we genuinely believe that if we can deploy this new model of care through remote monitoring and risk specific care that there will be savings there will be better outcomes there will be better performance and so you know we kind of bucked the trend of trying to get a quick dollar um, and we looked really hard at the current reimbursement matrix within pregnancy care. Um, and this is something that is not very well known, um, but in pregnancy care, a majority of the reimbursement, it's actually not fee for service. Most doctors get paid what's called a global fee. Um, and so that's like a lump sum payment. So it doesn't matter if the patient goes in seven times or 25 times, the doctor gets paid the same amount of money. Um, and so from our perspective, when we were looking at, okay, risk-specific risk care is where we have to go. Um, and wait, doctors aren't paid per appointment. So if we're able to automate certain parts of pregnancy care, reduce the need for low-risk patients to have to see the doctor as often, um, we can create space or access or capacity for doctors, right? Because they're getting paid one lump sum to manage the entire pregnancy. Um, this actually works perfectly because um, they're they're actually incentivized to be more efficient with their time. Um, and so, you know, that's how we actually went to market initially um, was selling to providers, telling them, hey, we can reorient how you manage your time and you don't get paid more to see patients more often or more frequently. Um, there's a huge opportunity here um, to really help you make more money um, while also being able to change how you manage your entire pregnancy population. And so that's how we really kind of rolled into, you know, our market and our business plan. Um, and it's, and it's initially it took a little bit of trust and belief from the providers because they wanted to make sure that patients actually were being monitored well and, and, and were satisfied with their care. But it's actually opened up an entire industry to baby scripts, which is really exciting. So I can see how that would work from the doctor perspective, but I could also see the context of a, a woman actually looking forward to these doctor's appointments to get the all clear or to have that interaction. So the 90% of women that, that can go to fewer appointments but still get that oversight from a doctor, what's their feedback that they're giving you on your product having, having used this? Well, so this is a, a crucial part of you know, how we went to market. Um, there definitely was this kind of counterintuitive point, which, you know, we had to first really uh, put to bed before we could scale our business, which is, hey, see the patient less often or patients see the doctor less often, but be more satisfied with your care. <laughs> um, and, um, and yeah, I mean, the, the pregnancy journey is, is a very personal, intimate, beautiful experience. 
Um, but one thing that I think a lot of people um, ignore or just kind of glaze over is the fact that like moms in 2018 are very different than moms in 1920. <laughs> um, so the process of having to get in a car, drive an hour, um, pay for parking, wait in the waiting room for another hour and get seen for five to 10 minutes just to be told everything's okay um, is a little antiquated. Um, when you think about how people live their lives, you know, the, the, the emphasis on convenience in almost every platform that people use. Um, and so from our perspective, you know, really the key part of baby scripts is the fact that through the remote monitoring and through the app interactions, um, we're increasing touch points between both patient and provider. And that in and of itself is creating a, um, a, a, a more intimate relationship, even though it's not happening face-to-face. The fact that every time a patient takes their blood pressure, they know that that data is being seen by their doctor, um, that, that's where the transformation comes. The, the new kind of normal of healthcare, which is very focused on appealing to the consumer, this fits very nicely with trying to deliver healthcare, you know, in a, in a patient-centered way as opposed to, you know, just slots in a schedule. So not only are you increasing the touch points, but you're really increasing the amount of data and understanding that you have about each patient and that data set that you're creating across all these thousands and tens of thousands of, of patients across the country, I imagine is, is really valuable. The data that we're collecting, it's, it's, it's a little scary sometimes because we're probably sitting on one of the largest weight and blood pressure data sets on the planet. Um, cause you know, through our program, we typically capture anywhere between 20 to 30 times the amount of data that's typically captured in the office. We're doing that through baby scripts. You know, every, everything that we do obviously has to be patient centered. We have to create great experiences. Patients have to want to use baby scripts. Um, but you know, the value of our company, um, is, 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 is really going to be in that data. Um, so we're, we're obviously really excited about you know, how, how we're looking at pregnancy from a data-centric model and way. So it sounds like a winning idea. How's the business doing? So uh, the, the business is doing very, very well. So we started with one product that was very focused on low-risk pregnancy. Um, we now have five products that cover about 90% of, a, of a OBGYN's pregnancy patient population. Um, and so we've been growing very quickly. We're, we're right at the edge, I think, of a, of a huge inflection point. And, and it's taken, you know, almost five years uh, from when we first had the idea of baby scripts um, to really get to a position where, you know, uh, people are recognizing us as a potential new standard in managing pregnancy. So we're really excited about that. And in addition, there's some really big news that was just announced about your acquisition of iBirth. So what does that do for your business in terms of the, pro- the program offerings and the, the uh, benefit to providers? Yeah, so uh, I would say our Series A and this acquisition are probably the two biggest events that we've had in our company ever. So it's really, really interesting. So iBirth was one of the first pregnancy apps ever in the App Store. Um, and so they've been in business um, for around um, like around eight or eight or nine years. Um, and the founder of iBirth, Judith Nolan, is um, probably the most inspirational people in pregnancy care that I have ever met in my life. Um, and so, you know, we uh, were able to, to meet with her through one of our advisors, um, and we realized we were on the same mission um, to really save women um, throughout the pregnancy, 
um, to detect problems faster, to better educate them about their pregnancy. Um, and so it seemed just like a, a natural fit for us to work together. And we ended up acquiring her business. And so what that means for us is we now have, we, we will have after this, this integration of iBirth, um, probably the most robust prenatal app in the market. Um, the content, the information that Judith's developed, the founder of iBirth, over the last 10 years is, is second to none. Um, and then also just her footprint um, in, in, in and around the country. Um, you know, she works with, um, you know, more than uh, about 30,000 uh, health, uh, it would be 30,000 comparable pregnancies that are tied to her health system customers. Um, and so we're adding that to, you know, our current patient under management base. Um, and so we're very, very excited about um, what we're both able to do and, and the mission that we're both on and, and uh, how we're kind of combining firepower here to make more of an impact. That's brilliant. Congratulations on that acquisition. The iBirth app can be found on iBirthApp.com and BabyScripts, the URL for that is GetBabyScripts.com. Juan Pablo, I wanted to run through six questions that I ask every guest. Can you spare a few more minutes for me? Yeah, I would love to do it. Fantastic. What is a saying, quote, or phrase that motivates you? So I'm a big fan of Napoleon Bonaparte, and he has this quote that essentially is, ability is nothing without opportunity. I, I've, I've taken that near and dear to my heart. You've got to create your own opportunity, but obviously a lot of entrepreneurship is a combination of both luck and hard work. <laughs> what advice do you have for others working to innovate in healthcare? Uh, you won't get rich quick. <laughs> I think one of the things that we applied and I think any entrepreneur that does this in healthcare will benefit from is number one, logic, um, not always listening to investors, I think is number like VCs and what they tell you in a pitch meeting um, and just, and just purpose. I mean, if you believe in, in your approach, if you believe in your business model, don't pivot too quickly. I think healthcare is too difficult and it's too hard to break into to just simply change your business model based off of like what one person tells you. I think you've got to spend a lot of time understanding your customer. And so I, I think all of that kind of revolves around this concept of don't pivot too quickly. <laughs> What's a book that you recommend to our listeners and why? Um, I, I'd actually recommend two books if that's okay. One startupy and one that's just more fun. Um, I think the hard thing about hard things by Ben Horowitz is really, really good you know, he covers his whole story from being a founder to a venture capitalist and some of the best practices that he's learned. found that really insightful. And then uh, just a fiction book that is really entertaining. And, and I think, you know, as, a, as an entrepreneur, you have to find ways to kind of turn off the, the, the business valve and just like, just be. Um, and so, you know, I would say uh, a, a great book called The Devil in the White City is really, really fun. And, and it's got like, combination of history. It follows a serial killer. It's like really, really cool. So I highly recommend it. All right. The hard thing about hard things and the devil in white city will have links to both those books in the show notes for this episode. What's a piece of technology that you recommend to our listeners? So not, it's not going to be a, a circuit board technology. It's actually going to be something called just a genetic screening test. So essentially a, like a 23 and me service. I did that about a year and a half ago, and I found that to be incredibly insightful um, in, in understanding, you know, just yourself, your background, ancestry, 
your predispositions, uh, the, the signs there is it's continuing to grow. So I, I wouldn't take it too much to heart, but um, it's just really cool to like see yourself through this like ACTG kind of structure. So, uh, so I, I, I would highly recommend trying that out. If I gave you a check for $5 million for you to invest in health technology today, how would you invest it? I essentially would give either 10 or 100 grants. So it'd either be $50,000 or $500,000 grants um, to people that kind of had the same profile of myself, like in younger 20s, almost like the, the Teal fellows, really just focused on creating a product to solve a problem in healthcare. And I think the requirement would be that you could not come from healthcare. Trying to solve a specific problem coming from outside of healthcare, I think it's given us a, an opportunity to be successful. So I'd want to kind of replicate that um, with people that are just really motivated, young and hungry. We make a contribution to a charity and appreciation of your time here on the show. What charity have you selected? And can you tell me a little bit about what they do? Yeah, so uh, this is very near and dear to my heart. Um, and, and I think it, it, it actually ties to the, the story of baby scripts. And so, you know, how I learned about healthcare was volunteering through an organization called the Muscular Dystrophy Association. Um, and so this is a, an organization dedicated to finding cures for the debilitating diseases that revolve around muscular dystrophy. And so, uh, you know, I, I started my journey in healthcare volunteering in a, in a summer camp, taking care of kids with muscular dystrophy. And so if there's one place to give money to, or if you're looking for those listening to give money to a certain charity, um, that's a beautiful cause. And it directly goes to helping kids overcome, you know, some debilitating illnesses that are, I mean, these kids are, are beautiful, but, you know, some of the challenges they go through is really tough. So I would recommend you checking that out. So the Muscular Dystrophy Association, that's MDA.org. We will make a donation in your name to that organization and include a link in our show notes if everyone else is led to make a donation as well. And you and I have that in common. Actually, my exposure to the healthcare sector was when I graduated from college and began to volunteer with the Multiple Sclerosis Society. And uh, that gave me exposure to the, the companies that were supporting that organization and the challenges that patients were facing. And it gave me a real passion and drive to apply my skills in, in trying to improve that for others. So yeah, volunteering can really lead to a lot of great opportunities and, and self-discovery, but also ways to make impact around the world. So we've got a couple of things here. We've got getbabyscripts.com. We've got ibirthapp.com. What are some other good ways for people to get in touch and follow your progress? We're pretty active on Twitter, so I think that's the best way to follow us. So at Baby Scripts, uh, would love to have you follow some of the, the things that we're sharing and um, some of the insights that we have. Great. Juan Pablo, thanks so much for joining me. All right. No, my pleasure. Thank you very much, man. There you have it. That was Juan Pablo Segura, co-founder of Baby Scripts. Be sure to check out the show notes for this episode at digitalhealthtoday.com forward slash 67. If you're enjoying these podcasts, please help spread the word. You can share it out on social media, email, and word of mouth, and help others connect with information that can improve their health, work, and life. Reviews on iTunes are always appreciated as well. Learn how by visiting digitalhealthtoday.com forward slash review. Be sure to check out our partner, Optum. You can find their link on the show notes or just go directly to optum.com. More great guests are in store, so be sure to subscribe using your favorite podcast app. And follow the show on Twitter at dhealthtoday and on Instagram at digitalhealthtoday. That's all for me for now. I'll speak with you soon in episode 68. And until next time, keep on innovating.